Hello and welcome once again to episode 120 of Code Completion. We're a group of uh, iOS developers and educators helping to share what we love most about development, Apple technology, and completing your code. My name is Dimitri and I'll be your host once again for this episode and I'm joined today by my fellow completionist, Spencer. Hey there. So to start us off, we have one more deprecation warning uh, in the style of the show to share. Uh, and that is uh, an update on the new HomePods. Uh, neither of us have any, right? Nope. Yeah. Uh, so this is just going off of what has been circulating around the news. Uh, but the power cable is actually, like, for real removable this time. That's awesome. That- that was the number one complaint that people had, and now the HomePod is fixed. It's going to be very successful. That was that. <laughs> that was what was missing. Yeah, absolutely. Is it weird that like that? I, after hearing that, I was like, mm, I kind of want one now. Like just because of the <laughs> removable cable. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like this is somehow way more appealing to me. <laughs> well, well, for one, it would make it easier to restart them, right? Because then you don't yeah. have to go and like behind all the furniture to unplug it. You can just unplug the thing. Um, so that's the main reason. I guess there's going to be shorter cables on the market now because mm. they're they're very long, uh, and sometimes you'd want them right next to the plug, uh, and then you have to like do some insanity weaving that cable. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess it is a legitimate selling point. Um, yeah. Maybe Apple will sell a shorter cable. I, I'd like that because yeah, my like actually both of my HomePods, my normal one and my mini. The power cord's just like coiled up at the bottom of it because it's way too long. So mm-hmm. that'd be nice. Yeah, kind of cool. So HomePod is saved, everyone. Uh, yep. Now go 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 buy them and make Apple Apple rich. Uh, incidentally, uh, I, don't, I don't have this on our show notes or anything, but uh, Apple has declared that they are rich again, um, which is cool, oh, I guess. Oh, um, I didn't realize they weren't not rich. <laughs> yeah, the, those the, the quarterly reports came company. out. Uh, it seems like everything is kind of down except the iPad is up like 30%, uh, and then service revenue is up because of course service revenue is up. Why wouldn't it be? Um, but yeah, uh, I don't don't have anything else to share about that. (laughs) Intel is not up. I know that. So there's, there's that, if there's anything to go by as far as chips, chip manufacturing goes. Intel did some shady stuff, right? They were like. Uh, keeping their <laughs> quarterly dividends, but then giving everyone pay cuts, uh, and that yeah. was like classy, very classy Intel. Yeah, I think the whole thing with that, with giving people pay cuts, is like they're trying not to just like lay off a bunch of people. Which, like, I guess pay cuts are better than getting laid off in a sense. Uh, like, de- it depended on kind of the level you were at. As soon as you were like mid level, it was like a five percent and then like vp level was ten percent then the next level was 15 i think the ceo took a 25 percent pay cut oh like the that. poor ceo i know you have to feel for the ceos of the world well 25 percent they're an endangered of, you know they're an endangered species i know they're so little they're, of they're, i mean 25 percent of 25 percent of like 15 million dollars that's a lot of money, Dimitri. How would they ever survive on such a meager amount of just over $10 million? It's brutal. Brutal. So, yeah. I mean, it's always good to see the the company that we essentially uh, stake our entire livelihood on doing well, I suppose. So, that's good. I mean, they, they've been doomed for so many decades, right? They can only be doomed yes. for so many more. 
Um, but on to, on to the real, real topics. Uh, the first one is, uh, our kind of, I think my favorite, uh, recently, and that's because I have not been, uh, coding in Swift very much, uh, lately. I've been doing a lot of, uh, web development for the jobby job. Uh, and that has been interesting. Uh, and I'll likely share like my, my full thoughts on that in a, in a distant episode from now. Uh, but, uh, I am still very interested in what Swift is, uh, cooking up. Uh, and one of the top ones is actually related to web development. Uh, and that is because cross compilation destination bundles, uh, is up for review on, uh, the Swift evolution, uh, forum, I guess. Uh, and, uh, to give you a little bit of insight of what this is, uh, currently, if you want to build like Swift for the Raspberry Pi, you would need to compile uh, your Swift code on an actual Raspberry Pi. And that might right. work fine, uh, except it might not work so fine if it's not a Raspberry Pi and it's more of an embedded device and there's only two megabytes of memory um, and a compilation is not going to happen. Uh, so there's all sorts of these kinds of uh, destinations, uh, if, if you will. Like it might be a Linux server or it might be a Lambda function running on on an edge instance, um, yep. or it might be a uh, web assembly, um, and needing everyone to like get together and put a bunch of tooling together, uh, for each of these individual things is kind of a pain and it's a little bit daunting for, uh, the everyday developer. Uh, so, uh, what this proposal is proposing, uh, is that on your Mac, you would be able to choose a destination that you would want to compile for, uh, and then just compile for it. Um, and it would make the binaries as they would uh, have been if they were run on that destination hardware, mm-hmm. uh, except without needing that destination hardware to do the actual compilation. So that means that you can compile your Swift program for an embedded device, or you can compile it for WebAssembly. Um, and the authors of this are the ones that are stewarding the WebAssembly project um, mm. as a whole. Uh, right. So that's where this is coming from because it's it's a major pain of a lot of setup uh, to get like to step one and then you can start developing. Uh, so they want to reduce that friction as much as possible, which is entirely like understandable. So uh, I'd say this is like a very cool thing to see moving forward. Um, it means that a lot more people will be able to use Swift for a lot more things without necessarily being specialists in those areas as well. Right. Yeah. That's super cool. Like you mentioned, like running out of memory could be an issue, but like it even mentions just like trying to compile something on something like a Raspberry Pi or like, let's take a Raspberry Pi zero. That is literally, it has one core. It would take forever to compile anything. Um, so being able to like throw on a Mac studio and compile it that way would be really nice. So Mm -hmm. I think that's uh, super cool. And they, it goes into like, like using these artifact bundles and kind of, I I didn't, I only read this once and it was kind of quick, but it looks like you can put in some JSON files to say like, here are the destinations that I want. And it it could maybe compile them all Mm -hmm. at once. Like it can compile multiple um, destinations without you having to do them all. If that makes sense. Is that right? Yeah, I I think that is. Um, And, and to be clear, this is like a very low level kind of proposal that's uh, entering the language. It's not really going to be used. Uh, by the vast majority of iOS developers out there. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's kind of setting the groundwork so that way you can start to do these things a little more easily. Just like in Xcode, you go and select 
your iPhone or your iPad or the simulator yeah. um, or your Mac, uh, think of that kind of ease in terms of building for other things. Right. Yeah. Cool. That's super cool. Um, next up uh, is uh, kind of an open call that macros are kind of being pushed forward. Um, and there's two two pieces of uh, info that have been shared on the Swift forums. One, there's a Swift forum section just for Swift macros. Um, so that's the first piece of big news. The second piece of big news uh, is that there is a repo with macro examples so that way you can learn and see how macros are put together. Um, and these are kind of being used as testing grounds to see where can macros be more u- most useful um, and how can how can uh, the, the developers that are making the Swift language, uh, how can they build that system out to kind of uh, heed to all the needs that we as developers uh, would come across. So um, once again, this is more of like a, a pro feature of the language that just has not existed. Um, I know that the Swift like team heavily uses uh, generated files and stuff like that for things like int. Uh, there is, there are not separate implementations for int eight and sixteen and thirty two and sixty four, right. uh, and the u int versions of those. Those are all one implementation. Um, they just get like generated, uh, and uh, we got that addition to Swift Package Manager. Um, but macros are another way of generating code uh, just in line. Um, so that's going to be really exciting once we do have it. So. Um... Maybe I missed missed this, and you had already said it. Where is this? In, as far as the like the proposal process goes, is this like accepted or already merged, or is it like sort of still in the proposal phase, and they're still kind of working out what it will be? I would say it's still in the proposal phase. There are three okay. separate proposals. There's expression macros, freestanding macros, and attached macros, um, and those are all kind of going through the process. Uh, however, there is an implementation in the Swift Nightly's that implements at least the expression macros, I believe, um, which would allow you to start playing around with this whole system. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I think here, uh, as of February 3rd, uh, the Swift toolchain uh, has support for freestanding macros, expression macros, attached macros, um, and there are a few, like implementation details that you can read up on uh but it doesn't mean that you can just use these in xcode you need to like download a snapshot of swift and all that um but there is a well like documented process for how to do that if you do want to experiment with uh the bleeding edge of where swift is uh if you want to wait like the rest of us uh Mm -hmm. then it will likely come out in the next versions of xcode um so in this case probably swift 5.8 uh, seems yeah. likely, um, which will probably come around, I would say, WWDC time um, for the most part, which is right around the corner um, in the grand scheme of things. Cool. That's awesome. Do you ever feel like the the time is going faster and faster? I, I used to like see six months as like a never-ending period. Now it's like, oh, this will, this will be here in like a few days. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It's crazy. I was just... I had to like actually make a letter or like write on an envelope and like it's for like my retirement like rolling in a retirement stuff for my old job anyway i had to like put in the date and i was like it's like 
January 20 something, right? And my dad was like, no, it's the 5th of Feb- February. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Time has moved on. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it marches on. It's crazy. Uh uh, on the topic of time marching on, it seems like Apple has also forgotten that time has marched on, uh, and it has been a year uh, since a small developer program has started. And if you don't remember, uh, this was Apple basically saying, hey, if you're a developer and you do not make a million dollars, you are entitled to uh, keep 15 more percent of our cut that we usually take. Um, and it seems like they forgot they did that because all of a sudden they started yeah. emailing a bunch of developers. Did you get one? I got one. No. Uh yeah, they started developing a bunch of, uh, sending emails to a bunch of people saying, hey, you should apply for the small developers program. Uh, and that may or may not have panicked a few folks. Um, I got panicked because I wanted to, I then, like, when you go through the process, it says, hey, you need to make sure you sign the latest, uh, Schedule C, uh, Schedule 2 on App Store mm. Connect. And I'm like, okay, let me go do that. I hop onto App Store Connect for the first time in a month. Uh, and all of a sudden I can't log in, like, on that day, uh, in particular. And, uh, it was, uh, very disconcerting. Apparently, uh, After Connect was down that day, so I was able to log oh. in later. Uh, but, uh, long story short, uh, people have asked Apple directly, and you do not need to reapply if you've already applied. Um, you're kind of still good to go. Um, but it does not hurt to click the button again. Um, it's like a very transparent, not a transparent, it's a very opaque process, but it's a very simple one. You just kind of click three times and you're in. Um, so... Uh, yeah, this is just like an FYI. Uh, you don't need to panic about that. If you've already applied for it, uh, you're kind of still in. Um, but it doesn't hurt to click the button again if you just want to be super duper sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure that scared a, a ton of people. <laughs> I, I mostly got scared when I couldn't log into Apps or Connect. That was, uh, that was a trip. Um, because yeah. it was like other accounts were working and then that one was not. And that one is attached like four or five different developer accounts. Um, yeah. so that was like my main Apple ID and that was not working. And I was like, Oh, uh, this is not going swell. Yeah. Uh, what else isn't going swell is perhaps a new Mac studio, because it sounds like Apple's going to kind of, uh, put that one on the back shelf and focus on a Mac pro, that is basically a Mac Studio with expandability, I guess. Like, they're not going to put an M2 uh, Ultra in a new Mac Studio, but they'll just kind of, like, shove it in a Mac Pro chassis and say, hey, we now have expandability with storage and GPUs and stuff. So, uh, it's kind of an interesting way it's of doing it, It's one way of skirting around the, the no M2 extreme, right? Um, yeah. If there's no differentiating factor, we just get rid of one of these product lines that uh, was just introduced. Yeah, and that sucks because I think the I, the Mac Studio is super cool, and I think a lot of people really like it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, it would be a bummer if they just sunset it right after. I mean, it's like the iMac Pro. There's one generation of it, and it's just like goodbye, sweet prince. We never see you again type of thing. Well, the iMac Pro is just like an iteration of the iMac um, like this is its own thing, yeah. uh, and it's yeah, just not not uh, lasting. But I guess neither did the M the G4 cube. I was gonna say the M4 cube. Uh, the G4 cube didn't last. So that's uh, true. like it's not the first time Apple has done something like this. Um, it's just a shame because it doesn't seem like they were limited by much of anything in that machine. Like yeah. they could have put more powerful in there, um, and it would have been fine. 
I mean, case in point, they put the the, and you can put an M2 Max in a laptop, uh, like that's the thermal headroom that it needs. Uh, well, you can't put the Max in the Mac Mini, but uh, they probably could. They just didn't, uh, but they probably definitely could. Uh, so this is another example of like, it could have definitely been capable of like dealing with thermal stuff for a very long time. Um, it's just. I guess Apple needs a way to say, oh, if you want a bigger, faster one, go with this larger thing uh, with expandability. Yeah, I'm interested if it really is something like they they put the M2 uh, Max or Ultra in um, in this uh, Mac Pro, what the price is to start with, like if it will start at $5,000 like the current Intel Mac Pro did. Basically, I want to see how much the chassis is worth because I want one. <laughs> we'll probably start off with an M2 Pro in it, right? Um, yeah. Like, why but why like, wouldn't Apple start it with something better, right? Uh, so it'll yeah. be like M2 Pro, M2 Max, M2 Ultra. Um, I, I think it's still unclear whether we're getting user-expandable RAM or not. Um, I would it say that like would be like the they're... only reason I would choose that over a studio if they both existed. Um, yeah, as as far as this nine nine to five Mac um, article says, it says, uh, "Oh, I just lost it." Uh, so far, it's been reported that the Apple Silicon Mac Pro will not support expandable RAM, uh, but will support expandable SSDs, GPU, networking. I mean, it'll have like PCI slots, PCI mm-hmm. slots, and probably a couple NVMe slots. So. But no RAM, it sounds like, which I guess makes sense if, you know, they're so, they need that fast bandwidth memory or the fast, whatever, mega transfer speed RAM. I mean, we can have slower transfer speed for the CPU that I'm happy with. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Uh, Alas. Um, So, yeah, uh, it's, it's it's a bummer, but I guess it makes sense from, like, what they're trying to ship and where they're trying to draw delineations. I don't expect the Mac Studio to, like disappear from their product page when the new mac pro comes out it's just not going mm-hmm. to get the processor revision probably right yeah um and who knows nice we might see it again the price yeah oh that's not happening <laughs> <laughs> yeah probably not huh? um yeah i think it's just like one one mac too much and they're stepping on their toes a little bit with now the mini being able to have the pro in there there's like you know there's a lot of overlap which kind of probably sucks for them yeah and maybe that's why the mini got the pro is because there's no longer going to be that gap uh in between the mini and uh the mac pro um yeah so that that the studio was that gap and now maybe it doesn't need to exist right the mac pro will just start with the the pro just in a bigger chassis um Mm -hmm. and then go max ultra if you want to upgrade it. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, talking about other things that may or may not make sense. Uh, Higher-end iPhone Ultra may be coming in 2024. Um, and this was... It was previously rumored that this would, like, replace the uh, iPhone Pro Max. Uh, but it seems like this is going to be a tier above that. Um, so I have I have my own my own speculation here. Uh, do you think it's just going to be like 
Do you remember those original OtterBox cases where it's just like Mondo <laughs> Protect? Yes. Do you think that's what the the ultra version of the iPhone is going to be? It's like for the just wilderness, the rugged, uh, for the rugged ones out there. Can you imagine having like an entirely titanium iPhone? That would be so expensive, dude. Uh, it'd be cool. Uh, yeah. Does it get a big orange button? Because I know Dimitri would buy it then. <laughs> No, I don't want... I want smaller, not bigger. Uh, yeah, I know. And that's the thing, too, is, like, it, when it was the speculation of it only, like, replacing the Pro Max, I was I was like, I'm not going to get a bigger phone. The phone I have is already, like, verging on too big for me. So, uh, if they made, a, like, a Pro, Pro non-Max size Ultra, that'd be kind of cool. I don't know what would make me want to buy it above the Pro... If it is, like, just rugged, you know, like, heat, uh, you know, it can go to lower and higher temp- heat temperatures. Don't need that. I don't need a more rugged case. I don't need, you know. I mean, like, it's like the Ultra is the the Apple Watch Ultra is cool because I guess, you know, there are use cases for that. Like, when you're running or swimming or diving or whatever. But, like, can't really see that for the phone Unless it's just, uh, you know, a higher level tier luxury item type of thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. The only thing I can think of that would make it like more high end is like if they did do like a fully titanium case or something. Because like the surgical steel is all are already really great. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that I'm like thinking about, and maybe this is homework for uh, you and others that are listening uh, if you ever go to homedepot.com uh, and watch their like product videos on the Milwaukee drill or whatever, uh, yeah. they always have this super like heavy manly music going in the background. It's like only only the manliest of men can use these tools, um, <laughs> and that's that's the that's the path they decide to go down uh, for everything. Um, yeah. And it, it's kind of hilarious. But uh, where I'm getting to here is I imagine a really ruggerized iPhone, like getting that kind of music going with it. Mm-hmm. Da, 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 da. Um, they do a drop test from like a helicopter because <laughs> if it survives that, it'll survive anything. Um, yeah. And that's just like, that's the, the new iPhone Pro Ultra Extreme. Uh, it whatever seems they like, call oh, it. that seems like a weird Venn diagram of like people that have. $1,700 to buy this iPhone Ultra and that also, like, work in a, you know, rugged environment. I don't know. It's like, mm. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. I don't want to uh, shoot you down. It would <laughs> I be hope really when I, funny, like, like, my speculation is not true. It would be very funny. Well, like, it, it would be funny to see, like, Apple's production value that they put into their, you know, promotion videos go into some kind of video like that. It would be... <laughs> hilarious to see what they come up with though well um yeah uh it's i I was gonna say like maybe their production value would go to waste because it would like miss the the deadline of when that product needs to ship and then they all recorded these videos back in october perhaps (laughs) uh and then need to release them as like here's just a press release we recorded a whole event for it but it's just a press release um kind of thing uh, so that could happen again. Um, but, um, yeah. Uh, next up on our list of, uh, rumors, 
that is that the HomePod Minis and low-cost AirPods might be coming in 2024. So I guess that means we won't be seeing uh, any more products this year. Like, this year is just done. Um, and then it's 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 down to 2024 for all the all the new stuff to come out. Yeah, kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I don't know. If they're just like all in on on again this like iPhone Ultra, and that's what they're focusing on. And I guess also the Mac Pro, maybe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so a second generation uh, HomePod Mini would be cool. I guess probably the the selling feature on that would be a removable cable as well. Uh, <laughs> But the, honestly, it, like that's that's the only I, thing that's annoying about it is it's just coiled up. Especially since they just uh, added, you know, the temperature and humidity sensing uh, software support. So like, I don't unless they have better speakers in it. Speaker, I don't know if there are multiple in the mini. Um, but yeah, I mean, I guess they're they have to update it eventually. Uh, I think the cooler thing here is lower cost AirPods. I think Apple trying to target like a ninety nine dollar uh, price point is interesting and makes sense because what are the lowest price HomePods right now? I think one sixty nine. I think yeah. Or did they go okay. down to one twenty nine? Let's see. Second. I mean, there are tons sold. of fake ones that are out on the market for like thirty bucks, uh, yes. and they look identical. Uh, for yes. all intents and purposes like they're made they for the better. people who want to to like show off that they have apple stuff but don't want to pay for that um yes. like that's the target audience so they have second generation airpods they still sell the third they're they're also selling the third but the second are 129 so uh i don't know if they just like put the same s whatever chip in a new chat like i don't know what it would be uh i can't wear non-pro airpods not because i'm a snob it's because the ear tips don't actually hurt my ears i bought airpods when they came out and i just i couldn't wear them for more than 30 minutes because they just destroyed the inside of my ears so um i think it's smart of apple to come up with a lower cost solution but i know that a lot of people at least, like my like, no one in my family can wear them. <laughs> I think our ears are just small or something. So it's a, it's a genetic, yeah, predisposition. Yes, to... you're incompatible with Apple. <laughs> in the future, oh, that no. will mean uh, th- there will be uh, dire consequences for that. But until then, uh, options are available. <laughs> just means we give Apple more money. Yep. Um, and, uh, our final rumor, because apparently it's just like, there's nothing else but rumors this week. Um, the final one is that the Apple watch ultra will be getting a bigger screen. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. I haven't actually seen an Apple watch ultra in person aside from like for a couple minutes at an Apple store. So, um, do you, you don't have one, do you? No, no. I've seen a bunch of people with them. They they look chunkier. That's about it. Yeah. We need to get Ben on and have him kind of give his review because I know he bought one. Be interesting to see. I think they want to go up to like a two point one inch screen. I don't know what that is in millimeters, but like that's that's pretty big for a watch. So yeah, uh, the speculation I think was talking about like whether they'd increase the size of the chassis or just um, make the bezel smaller. Which to me it would make more sense to make the bezel smaller if it, if they can. And also, I think it would be a mini LED display. Um, 
to like retool the entire thing seems pretty gnarly, but like for the chassis to be retooled. But uh, if they want to go up to a mini LED, I think that's the bigger kind of thing, I guess. Or sorry, micro LED. I keep mixing that up. Um, yeah, micro LED, right? Yeah. I don't think a micro LED is going to come yet. I mean, it's yeah. always one of those. Uh, it's fusion power. It's 30 years away. Um, yeah. It's micro LED. It's uh, only 10 years away. Uh, and it's still 10 years away. So yeah. <laughs> uh, it'll probably still be OLED. I would assume that they're just going to oh. like change the bezels like they have done on the previous Apple Watches. Um, and yeah, they probably have been listening to people that are buying these things. And they're like, yeah, I, I wouldn't mind bigger. Um, like it, size is clearly not the limiting factor there. So like, why not? Right. Bigger battery, bigger screen. Uh, you get it all together. Yeah. Um, looks like the article says that the ultra currently has a 1.93 inch display. So it's a little bigger. It's a 2.1. Um, yeah, be a, a noticeable increase at those sizes. And finally we have, uh, a new a new social network to to join and care about uh because it is definitely not too late to to jump on that bandwagon uh and that is the nos nos nostr nostril yeah. uh that's the nostril network um i don't know how to pronounce this thing it's lacking in vowels uh but uh it was founded by the person who started a company that was also lacking in vowels until they added more later uh and that is jack dorsey um i think he founded it right is this like what yes. Twitter Blue was? This is what I'm most confused about. No. Is this Twitter Blue or is this something else? I think it's something else. So kind of an uh, like, man, okay. So I have so many thoughts. I think my biggest thought when I was reading this is like, so, okay. So let me like Noster or whatever is an acronym for notes and other stuff trans transmitted by relays. So huh? uh, this whole thing, it seems like it's more like, a protocol rather than a platform where it can like i think this this it, what this whole nine to five mac article is talking about is there's an app called domus uh which is i think a pretty good play on words for like nostradamus um but i think the, and it's sort of a twitter like service but i think their whole thing with like this noster is like it's a protocol where there's like no server and it's end-to-end -end encrypted so there's like and it is sorry it's like let's see and and like peer peer to peer type of thing so i don't think it's like anyone owns the information anyway it's like a whole thing which i guess the whole point is like it can be way more than it can be used to be way more than a social network right i think part of the thing that like gets me is like it seems like it's like partially well i don't think it's built on a blockchain but like it uses cryptography, yes, it uses uh, and, cryptography. In, in the in the not we're gonna burn the world down sense. Like yes. you have a private key, you have a public key. You sign things with your private key. Yeah. Uh, people sign things with your public key, um, and that's your account. Your account is a public private key pair, um, and there are a bunch of relay servers, uh, and you have to know about relay servers, or your app that you're using knows about the relay servers, uh, yeah. and it just kind of works. Um, so it's a thing. I don't think it's, there's a point to claiming usernames or anything because like anyone can be anything, uh, since it's just based on public private Jeez. key pairs. Yeah. Um, 
it's probably the worst for like regular people. I don't, I don't think any regular person is going to go and start using this because like keeping track of keys is not what regular people do. Yes. Um, regular people hardly keep track of passwords. Um, and <laughs> like, this is one step way further than that. Uh, so yeah, it'll probably just fizzle out. I would say, I, yeah. I really don't know what the end end game for for this is at this point. Yeah, I think like they want it to be used way more than you know, like a, a social network, like I said. But yeah, I don't know. Like it, it's so this nine to five Mac article says like Noster is to social networking what HTTP is for information or IMAP is for communication. So like it. In theory, could be a lot more, but I agree. I don't know if it'll really take off or go anywhere. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. I'll be interested to follow up in a year and see where <laughs> where it's at. Yeah. Uh, I think I think uh, Mastodon with its multiple servers is like enough of a, a barrier to entry um, as is. Yeah. Um, yes. But it's slowly catching on, so... Uh, I think anything more than that is probably way too much. Um, and yeah, if if you want something to succeed, you need to have a, a compelling platform that's going to like make it succeed, right? Um, and without yep. that, it's just yet another protocol uh, that's probably going to get in. Uh, what's, what are those uh, ref documents that IE or whatever they're called? Um, oh, I, triple E, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Um, it's, it's going to just end up as a protocol somewhere. Um, and it'll exist, uh, because protocols never die once, once they get made, uh, they will always creep back in. Um, but yeah, this week's episode of Code Completion is once again brought to you by Bon Voyage. Bon Voyage is a full stack iOS application development course from Johnny B. With this course, you'll learn how to build both a full iOS client app and an associated React web administration application. The app and the site will integrate with Firebase, as well as Stripe and Plaid for payment processing. Bon Voyage is a place to book extravagant vacations, and you'll gain the skills to build the iOS app from the ground up and integrate everything you need to provide a world-class vacation booking experience. To find out more and sign up for the course, visit bonvoyage.app/course. That's b-o-n-v-o-y-a-g-e.app/c-o-u-r-s-e, and be sure to follow Bon Voyage's instructor. Johnny B codes on Twitter. That's J O N N Y B C O D E S to stay up to date with all his courses. Thanks again to the Bon Voyage e-commerce app course for sponsoring code completion. So Spencer, I have a, a code completion tip for you, um, and that is uh, all about optionals. So optionals, um, as you may or may not know, uh, they are enums. Um, it's an enum with associated cases. Uh, and the two cases are dot none, that's a nil, uh, and dot sum, uh, and right. that would be the value of the optional. And of course, Swift has this nifty uh, like syntax for interacting with optionals, and you just put question marks and exclamation marks everywhere, uh, and you're kind of good. Uh, but since they are enums, they can do all the cool things that enums can do. So, for instance, if you have a switch statement, uh, you can switch on an optional. Um, so you can go ahead and have the two cases in there dot sum and then you can say let my uh my my optional thing uh and do something with it and then you can have a case for dot none um this is really really cool if you have 
like nested types or multiple types that you're switching on. Uh, and some of them are optional and some of them are not. You can have some really complex pattern matching uh, with this because you can go ahead and have one case that's, uh, say you're switching on a tuple of three things uh, that all can be optional. Your first case can be dot none, dot sum, dot sum. Um, mm. And then the next case can be dot sum, dot sum, dot none, and so on and so forth. So you can kind of uh, be very creative uh, with how you uh, pull these things apart. If you have uh, other uh, enums uh, that have associated values and those are optionals, you can have dot sum open parentheses dot sum uh, and that can like unpackage an optional within an optional kind of thing. So uh, it's it's really really powerful how you can kind of compose these things. Um, and yeah, I encourage everyone to kind of try it out once or twice because uh, once once you get used to something like that in Swift, it becomes very obvious that other languages don't have something <laughs> like this. Um, and it's it really does feel like a superpower to be able to do stuff like that. Cool. So uh, going back to that um, example of like you're you're switching on a three item tuple, like mm -hmm. would you just do like case none, case sum, sum, or could you do or could or would you do like case none, case let whatever, case let whatever? So, so wrap it. yeah. So uh, when you want to unwrap it, you would uh, have the let be inside of the sum. But there's actually a shorthand for that. And if you do uh, let something question mark, that will also do the unwrapping. It's like saying a dot sum. Um, so there there are some shorthands there. Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, and we'll we'll link in our show notes um, to an article on Use Your Loaf that uh, kind of goes through a whole bunch of these different things. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a lot of things that you can do with optionals because they are enums. And I think that is... Uh, really cool. Nice. As always, I want to personally thank everyone for listening in this week. Please be sure to follow us on mastodon.social at CodeCompletion to know when new episodes go live. And feel free to tweet, tweet at us if there's ever a topic you'd like for us to dig into. Most importantly, as a small podcast, please be sure to share this with your friends and family who are also interested in any part of the process of app development. It's your support that enables us to continue doing this, and we hope to grow a healthy community around everything we discuss. Once again, I want to give my thanks to Spencer, who is at Spencer C. Curtis, that's S-P-E-N-C-E-R-C-C-U-R-T-I-S, for joining me this week. My name, once again, is Dimitri. You can find me at Dimitri Buniol, that's D-I-M-I-T-R-I-B-O-U-N-I-O-L, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.